Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a... Amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what's happening. Football, friendship, and fun, that's what we do. We watch the Chiefs and talk about them too. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Podcast. I'll tell you once more before we start to record. Amateur Hour. Ryan Scott Hall and his darkness. You know that these guys are the best in the biz. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour Podcast. I'll tell you once more before we start to record. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur I think it's about time to start the show. Just one more chorus, then away we go. Amateur hour. Amateur hour. A podcast. Here comes Ryan and Dirk, your favorite amateurs. Amateur hour. That's right, folks. The show is called Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall, and with me today... Freshly minted Italian stallion. Hey, it's in the darkness. I don't even need to. You're gonna say ciao, ciao. Buongiorno, bitches. This is what I thought I was gonna, gonna get. That's me. That's there. You go. Uh, so his darkness, the most recent uh Kansas City Chiefs football game played on sunday night against the hated denver broncos you monday morning watch until monday monday morning yeah you didn't watch it until monday and you were on another continent first yeah. first nfl europe experience how was it uh well you know it's pretty nice the 2 30 a.m kickoff uh not ideal um, I, I kind of sympathize with the uh, the European folks, and they're always bitching about that. I was I couldn't believe it was flexed because I was like, oh, that'd be cool because the game will just start at seven p.m. over there. That'll be kind of awesome. We'll just you know have dinner, have an early dinner or something, come back and watch it live. And then like they flexed, it. I was like, what? It's not even a it's not even a big game. So it's kind of a, an odd choice, I guess. But the uh, slate on Sunday was pretty damn weak, so I guess that was the reason. Uh, but yeah, so that made for an interesting, uh, very late kickoff, which I definitely did not make. And I'm glad I did not make because it was a fairly boring game that I would not have stayed awake at for at 3 a.m. to watch. Yeah, you know, not the most entertaining game in what has been, for me, I would say, like a pretty highly entertaining season. 
Um, and I know that it's not necessarily producing the crazy fireworks every single week that people have gotten used to, uh, especially with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid here in Kansas City the last few years. But, man, I mean, we we mentioned it pretty early on, especially with the losses kind of creating this adversity for the team. I, I'm having a great time <laughs> with with every game being meaningful, with not really knowing what to expect from my team. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a certain level of predictability with this team. And maybe it used to be like, oh, it's fine. Mahomes will, Mahomes will take care of it. He'll bring us back in the end of a game. Or this offense is going to go score 35 every week. That's fine. We got that. And now it's just kind of like, well, uh, it's probably not gonna. It's probably not gonna look very good. But that I feel like is you know been at least somewhat reliable. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I was my brother picked me up at the airport and he was we were talking about the game and he was just um, I kind of said it was boring. Well, we, yada yada. We kind of talked about it and how they kind of approached it like Denver. We talked about the twenty play drive and I was like, you can't you can't beat this team by kicking field goals. And I was like, can you? Can you not? I mean. You kind of, I think you kind of could beat this team by kicking field goals. It's like the, the we still have this reputation of being the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs, uh, even though we have not quite been the uh, high-powered Kansas City Chiefs as of late. Nor, nor will we. Uh, who knows? Who knows what the uh, rest of the season holds? But I mean, it really seems like I mean, where I'm at, it, it seems like we got the defense right now. We got the running game. I was kind of surprised that the running game stats didn't look as good as I thought. Because uh, I just I'm just checking stats like for the first time now before we're logging on, um, and so I, I thought we ran the ball pretty well in that game. So I feel like we have the defense, we have the running game. All we need now is for Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey to figure out the passing game, and then we've got the best team in the NFL. Uh, so it's it's such a weird place to be in that we have like the supporting cast all figured out. It seems like at this point. And yet we're counting on these four Hall of Famers who just can't get out of their own way. Um, Andy Reid just kind of seems to the game plans week to week. Uh, not, not always quite there. Patrick Mahomes, Jesus struggles. Kelsey and Tyreek dropping passes every week. It's just like, all right, we got four Hall of Famers on offense. You guys figure it out. we got the best team in the NFL and we'll be Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that when I watch this offense, I'm just like, okay, so what, what is happening here? Um, whether it's the drops from everyone, including Tyreek and Travis, um, or that some of those drops are like being volleyball set into the air for defenders to be able to catch every single week. I mean, if you if we were actually keeping track, I'm sure someone somewhere is. Tyreek has got to be directly responsible for four or five interceptions this year. Am I wrong? Uh, well, maybe not that much, but also add in he had a fumble immediately after one reception, which kind of seemed like the same idea. But okay. uh, yeah, he's he's responsible. I, I would say three picks off drops, and then the one fumble is is my best guess. I mean, I saw that Mahomes had something like nine interceptions on throws that PFF didn't rate as like turnover worthy plays. And so we're talking about 
like the complete opposite of what it's been. You know, Mahomes would only have two interceptions on turnover worthy plays. And we used to, you know, poo poo that stat. Everybody did because it was like, what does that even mean? But yeah, now, it, it, now we're on the other end of the, the spectrum here. And it's like Mahomes has all of these interceptions on plays that aren't deemed, you know, interceptable or whatever. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels like karma for, for bitching about that so much. Like, well, who cares about the turnover worthy if he didn't turn it over? And now we're watching it like, well, who cares if he threw picks? They were not turnover worthy. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of what's happening. So, I mean, so let me. Let me ask you this. I, I was trying to figure out, like, how would I describe the Chiefs offense right now? Like, I started maybe small and was thinking adjectives, but then I was like, well, I got to have like a sentence or two. But like, what, what can an English teacher come on. fall in? Like, how, how would I describe the Chiefs offense? And I think where I'm at right now is it just doesn't feel special anymore and I think that we're all reluctantly kind of grieving that fact however the sooner that we embrace ugly I think the more fun we can have and look no further than Pat's bills um the reaction (laughs) to that game not only by you know bill pats fan um or whatever but but also like national media is like bill belichick is the coach of the year this is the most amazing nfl game nfl performance what a great coaching job i mean people really went over the edge and and i was just like i get that a rookie quarterback only threw three passes against a guy that was kind of neck and neck for MVP last year uh, and was really drafted to play that game in that environment. I, they beat the Bills at their own game in, in many ways. And I guess I just look at it and I'm like, if everyone really liked that really, really ugly brand of football, may I interest you in the Kansas City Chiefs offense? <laughs> Uh, well, I think what happens with, with games like that, I mean, it's a huge game and it's a standalone game. So it's a Monday night. So it's like, you gotta have, you gotta have takes from it. You gotta have some kind of takeaways from that kind of game. And I don't know what the hell you're taking away from that game. I mean, you watch that and you come away like, uh, I don't know what else to say here other than Belichick is, and you, and you can kind of expect that when there's, when there's a variance like that, like with the wind thrown in, Belichick's going to be better at adjusting than the other coach. And I, and I really think, you know, Belichick did a good job. I thought just McDermott just did a horrible job. Uh, I would have ran Josh Allen to death in that game. So that's, that's the one big advantage you have is huge and strong. And, you know, running the quarterback gives you that extra player advantage blocking. Why not just run Josh Allen over and over unless you're just saying we want to keep him healthy, yada, yada, that kind of thing. But their best chance to win would have been to run Josh Allen. And then on defense, it, it was so obvious that they're running every play and yet the bills you can they had a specific adjustment at one point it was to start the fourth quarter and it, they came on these start coming on these run blitzes and shut down the running game what the hell took so long it's three quarters of not throwing a pass like it was it was very obvious um and you know this i mean this kind of leads into the chiefs game where 
I don't think the game was necessarily boring, but I'm not sure what else we learned from the Chiefs in this game. So it's kind of the, uh, you know, watching the Chiefs in this game, it's kind of been the exact same team we've seen over the last five weeks. So I'm not sure if there's a lot of fresh takes to have, uh, you know, watching the Chiefs game this week. That's, and that's kind of the, uh, the tie-in from the Pats-Bills to the Chiefs game. I, just don't, I don't know if we learned much new about the Chiefs other than, hey, the defense keeps looking good, the offense keeps struggling. Right where we were the last, you know, month or so. So I I want to push back on that because here's what I feel like I learned. Even with two weeks to prepare for a divisional opponent, which I know that's going to be tough. I'm sure that the Broncos spent a lot of time this offseason saying, this is how we're going to play the Chiefs, right? Like they brought in Teddy because they were going to say, we're going to be a defensive team. Teddy's not going to turn the ball over. Like, we're going to try to be as competitive as possible. Here's the formula for winning this division. Here's the formula for taking down the Chiefs. So Fangio probably had stuff in his bag waiting all the way until, what, week 13 to play the Chiefs. I get it. I know that it's a, it's a tough ask for the Chiefs to have that be the team that you play out of the bye week. But the fact that a team that they were able to hold to what nine points, I think it was 22 to nine, I yep. believe. Yep. Um, and, and although their rookie running back looked tremendous, uh, really the entire game looked great. Uh, it didn't amount to a whole lot, but I mean, it, it nine points. Sure. The chiefs did plenty to win. Right. But the defense lost that game nine to seven. Like the offense didn't necessarily bring a whole lot to the table. And especially outside of the first 15, I almost even tweeted after that opening drive. All right, Andy, like we know the first 15 looks good, but what about everything else? That's what I want to see coming out of this bye week. And the chiefs looked very ordinary, which tells me what, I think the conversations from, you know, all of the local media um, and, and, and whether that's, you know, podcasting or guys that are on the terrestrial radio and all that stuff. It's like everything that I've heard the last few days has essentially just been like, okay, well, we know that this chief's offense isn't going to snap out of it. So the question becomes now, can they win like this? Can they win three playoff games playing this brand of football? And I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I think that it's a pretty natural reaction that coming out of the bye, you think that maybe this team is going to be able to turn a corner and Denver looked bad. And the things that end up happening on offense are the same. It feels like the same stuff that has plagued them all year. These, these stupid turnovers and just not being able to, to be consistent from drive to drive. And so I think that that's just what this offense is. And I don't, I don't really expect them to snap out of it. But I feel like we've been saying that for weeks. And so Wait. go ahead. Well, yeah, I'm just, I think you're kind of leading into my point now that we just it's the same that we've seen over most of the season. Um, so I'm just not totally sure what we learned. I think the weirdest thing is that you know, Denver kind of helped usher in. You, you hear Vic Fangio get a lot of credit for help usher again, this too high safety look. And now, and so that's all having all the success against the Chiefs. 
But now people are saying that the Broncos played a lot of single high against the Chiefs. And then they had a success doing that. Um, so that that seemed totally weird to me. Um, and maybe maybe they caught the Chiefs off guard. Maybe they're, you know, game plan, the whole thing around playing against the too high. Um, I don't really know. But from what I can tell, from what people smarter than me say, they were playing a lot of single high out there in this game. And the, yet the Chiefs offense still didn't take advantage of that when that's been what they've had success with this year. So... A, a couple things that might, I don't know, help us understand what's happening. I've been trying to figure out, like, what is the actual problem with this Chiefs offense, right? We can go through a, a list of a number of different things, and it seems like turnovers and and really, like, inconsistent play from Mahomes' weapons um, has been an issue. It took a while, I think, for him to start to gel with his offensive line, and they're still figuring that out um you've outlined i mean are there problems with the offensive line i think they look pretty no 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 but like mahomes still talks about he's like we're we're still trying to work together on like when i should stay in the pocket when i shouldn't how to how to stop my drops i've heard some people say that like mahomes has been a lot more intentional about not dropping as far back and not doing, you know, some of the Mahomesy stuff in order to basically help out his tackles largely. Yeah, it, which is weird because I think it's helped, but maybe it's also kind of taking away from what makes Mahomes great, um, which is really weird because I don't know the right balance there. Because I think, yes, eventually Mahomes could, um, you know, um, it would, it would do him some good to learn the proper footwork and stuff, like learn that kind of stuff that he's always just kind of, you know, pushed aside and done it, what's come natural to him. But like, hey, now you're seeing some struggles. Like it might be the right time to kind of clean all this up kind of thing. Um, but it's also, I mean, is it taking away? Is that part of the problem at this point? Because we're not getting those special Mahomes plays. I mean, think of how often Mahomes would just make insane plays, you know, over the last three years. Have, have we seen much of that this year, at least like the last four weeks when he's, you know, quote unquote, cleaned it up? Um, you know, and he, he's, he's playing better. He's playing good. He's playing good enough, I guess. But are we are we losing some of that Mahomes specialness with with him staying in the pocket and trying to do things the traditional way? And I mean, I don't I don't disagree with the premise of the question. I mean, I already said I don't think that this Chiefs offense looks very special, um, but I, I mean, I don't want to belabor this point because I think that people recognize it. But man, offenses league-wide are struggling right now. Um, here, here's a stat for you. The NFL has averaged 6.91 yards per attempt over the last five weeks, the whole NFL. It's the lowest cumulative mark for any five-game stretch since weeks 13 through 17 back in 2017 and the fourth lowest of the past 10 years. I mean, they are performing basically as poorly during the last five weeks, um, you know, of, of that week ending on Monday um, as they have since 2017, the entire. What was the stat again? What was the stat? 6.91 yards per attempt over yards the last attempt. five weeks. And it's the lowest cumulative league-wide mark for any five-game stretch since 2017 and the fourth that's, lowest of the decade. 
I mean, it just makes me think that the NFL is slick, cyclical. And it's just kind of, you know, the offenses come out with something new and it's like, whoa, and it kind of takes the league by storm and then defenses kind of slowly start to figure it out. Um, and then, I mean, I saw a tweet today that I hadn't even thought about, but it was kind of like, you know, it's it's weird that like the most analytically driven teams in the NFL are all kind of run heavy right now. And they kind of listed the teams. I know Cleveland was one of them, uh, maybe a few others, but it was kind of uh, interesting to hear. I, the Colts were in there and the Patriots, but teams that, you know, have on the record of being, you know, analytically driven, almost kind of leaning towards the run more and more, which was, I mean, it was kind of blew my mind. Um, so, you know, maybe that's the answer to this. I, I don't know, but it's, it, the NFL is definitely cyclical where it, you know, trends come and trends go. And, and right now it's just kind of like in a defensive swoon, uh, which is kind of awesome. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of the NFL to me. That's not just like, you know, Hey, it's here's the spread offense and short passing game. And then it's just going to be like this for the next 20 years. It's just going to get more and more and more and more like, no, 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 no. The defense gets to fight back and they get to, you know, have their say. And then the offense has to have come up with something new. And, you know, I'm using these very general terms, like the offense of, you know, all 32 NFL teams, but it's just like the offensive minds of the NFL. Uh, so that, that's just a, I love long-term trends like that in the, in the NFL and in football. Well, I mean, and it, and it mirrors in some way, like the way that coaching hires tend to go. You know, you go from an offensive head coach to a defensive head coach back to an it's like that seesaw. Every time that you move on from somebody, you feel like you need to go in the opposite direction. Well, I guess in addition to the way that defenses are playing or essentially like how effective they've been league wide. The thing that I feel like I noticed specifically about this game against Denver and I haven't paid close enough attention to throughout the year to be able to speak on whether or not this is a trend, but I'll tell you what, Denver got very physical with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and it worked. It worked like a charm. I mean, that those, those like opening drive or two when the chiefs were able to keep the ball a little bit, um, Kelsey was just getting, manhandled by that defense they were going out of their way to hit him knock him around frustrate him and Kelsey it seemed like wasn't like taken out of his game so to speak he was smiling he was like okay I see how this night's gonna play out and while I'm watching it live I'm like oh man Kelsey is about that action tonight this is gonna be awesome he's gonna dance so hard when he scores this is going to be great. I can't wait. And he had like three catches for 25 yards or something. I mean, they were able to take Travis and Tyreek basically entirely out of the game. Probably the worst game that the two of them combined, like their stats from this game has to be the worst that they have ever played when they're both healthy and on the field. I can't imagine that the two of them combined have had fewer than 50 yards combined or something ever before and, and yeah and really not even just those two I mean the Chiefs from their wide receivers in total had 69 receiving yards uh, and that doesn't include Travis Kelsey but you know Kelsey chimes in here with uh, 27 himself um, so it's, it wasn't just like hey let's feed you know Demarcus Robinson and, and Hardman and Pringle it wasn't like those guys stepping up but you know 
they had their two leading receivers were both running backs. Darrell Williams at 60 yards and Clyde Edwards with 28, which is, you know, hey, we've been clamoring for that. Um, so that's kind of interesting. It's just a weird game overall that the Chiefs just didn't, I mean, on offense, just not much production, 184 yards from Mahomes, 89 yards rushing. That, like, that's a low, low total uh, overall just in terms of yardage. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that we've we've already – you know, kind of covered the fact that I think that the Chiefs have the offensive line to be able to like physically dominate opponents. That maybe they even just lucked into it. I mean, how intentional was it that they decided to go from, you know, a, a lighter, more athletic, more finesse, if you will, offensive line? to suddenly having all of these big, you know, mauling type of players on that offensive line. And, and maybe Tooney doesn't fit that bill. I had mentioned to you that he came into the restaurant and I was like, wow, that guy's really thin. Like he looks like he's an excellent, I would never guess that that was an all pro offensive lineman. Like a, um, he looks like a retired NFL offensive lineman where they yeah, lose pretty much, yes. 50 pounds. <laughs> that's uh that's a shrewd comparison. Yes. Just, just real quick. Cause I was, I was looking it up. Um, that was their fewest total yards on offense in a game since uh, what year is this? Since 2019 in a game where they beat the Oakland Raiders 40 to nine. Um, and they only had 259 yards in, in that game. So uh, that's kind of weird. Also the Super Bowl, but I was, I, I kind of cheated and made it regular season, but yeah. They haven't had that few offensive yards since 2019 in a game where they won 40 to nine. I don't really remember that game offhand, Um, but yeah, just not much offensive production. I was listening to Eric Eager. He's a pro football focus guy. He was on uh, Sarin Petro's show, you know, a couple days ago or whatever. And he was making the comparison. He's like, listen, I, I, in trying to answer that question about like, can the chiefs win this way? Like, is this something like, do you want to have such a low margin of error um, and things like that going into the playoffs? Can the chiefs get to and win the super bowl with their defense clearly being like the higher performing unit. And he said, well, I mean, the chiefs have won games like this before, like look at the super bowl season. And he went through and rattled off like Mahomes yards per attempt and like total yards per game kind of down that back stretch. And it was basically after the Tennessee game, his first game back from the injury. And like, he's got a couple, Hey, he had 350 yards and four touchdowns in there, but a lot of them are like, Oh wow. The chiefs one by three Mahomes had six yards per attempt and threw for 150 and a touchdown and an interception. Like Mahomes' numbers toward the end of 2019, that regular season, they're not great from week to week. And so, you know, it's it's not unprecedented. I mean, if we think about some of those games that they had to eke out against Carolina and Atlanta and things like that, I mean, they certainly had some struggles. I guess the thing that I like, like I think that the Chiefs should be the aggressor, both physically and philosophically. People seem to think that if you become this you know, physical kind of run first sort of team, especially with this new look offensive line, that you can't be aggressive offensively because running the ball is such a conservative decision. 
And I think that that's horseshit. I think that you can do both. And I'm guessing I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking the reason that I like the idea or the notion that this Chiefs team could try to say, you know what, look, let's worry about like points per possession, you know, instead of yards per attempt or something. Because if the Chiefs hang on to the ball, bleed the clock, get to third and four and throw it to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, as long as they're not dropping the ball, it's like they can still lean on the Hall of Famers and they can seriously bleed other teams dry and keep their defense fresh. I mean, think about the kind of complimentary football that they could be. I think that that sort of efficiency that is, is possible if they embrace playing that way, I think the Chiefs can be a dominant team. It's just a different look of dominance. And people have to adjust to that. Yeah, it's, it, well, it, it immediately made me think of like that 2018 Patriots team, which heavily leaned on the run. But then, you know, they'd get in third and mids. So you still have to pick those up. It can't just have a running game. But then you have Tom Brady and you have Rob Gronkowski, even though it, seemed like he was on his last leg even though he's found his third leg now um or or you have julian edelman you know uh future hall of famer uh running little little outs on third and short um so it kinda... well, you can look at the rest of that offense too especially you look at those other weapons and it's like wow um i you know that team ultimately i know brady ends up leaving but like what was happening that year and the couple years after where they're just kind of trying to hang on, like we didn't run it back, take it back, all, you know, all these things like we, there hasn't been a very much turnover on the offense. We've talked about that aside from losing Sammy Watkins and drafting Clyde and, and now randomly bringing in Josh Gordon to not really do anything like this is, this is the offense. We, we, we changed the offensive line, but all the skill positions have been static. Okay, well, that led to the Patriots ultimately spending all of that money in free agency this offseason and suddenly rebuilding that whole offense made of free agents and rookies. And so, I mean, I, I think that the Chiefs are in a position right now where they're still trying to figure out that identity. And, and I think that they need to recognize, like, there, there is a disconnect between what's happening on the field and, like, Andy, Pat, be enemy, whatever's happening. Like it, it's clearly not working. And I think that it can work, not just because we've seen it, but I think like this new sort of reality for the Chiefs, I think that it can work, but they have to steer into it. They have to lean into their faults and start thinking about, okay, so how can we use this to our advantage? If we are no longer the big strike offense, that can score on any play at any time, forcing you to cover every blade of grass or teams have just figured out how to kind of neuter that approach and we have to do it differently. Okay. Like you shouldn't hit an obstacle and keep trying to do the same thing over and over. I feel like there haven't been that many adjustments. We've, we've seen a little bit, but like not enough. Well, I'm not sure what you want because why, how do you, why do you think they're not leaning into it? They're winning games. They're winning games comfortably. Uh, I'm not sure what you want them to do differently. Just run more? Um, 
I guess I want to see them really value possessions. Um, it doesn't feel like they're doing that. And maybe that's not for a lack of trying uh, because some of these turnovers seem so stupid. I mean, we already had that nine turnovers on, on plays that weren't rated as turnover worthy. So, I mean, maybe I'm just another frustrated Chiefs fan because I want my offense back, damn it. Well, yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know what we, – we talk about identity, and I get it, like, as an idea, but I don't know really what it changes, uh, like, on the field, unless you're talking, you know, you want to run the ball more, which it seems like you kind of want to, like, kind of lean into the running game more than they are. Um, so that I could see. Um, but I will say this just to kind of wrap this uh, conversation up. Um, I would much rather be where they are right now, um, you know, with a solid defense and a solid running game than where we were in the beginning of the season, where we have this all-time offense and an all-time bad defense. Because I'm more confident that Andy and Mahomes can figure it out than all of a sudden, you know, the defense figuring it out even though that's, you know, that's kind of what happened. But, you know, if, if we had a full season of the defense being one of the worst in the NFL, and now we're kind of going into the playoffs like that, and, you know, kind of similar to 2018, uh, I, I'm more comfortable with where we are now than with that kind of setup as a team. I mean, that's that's fair. The team has definitely changed a lot. Do you Do you at all, maybe this is like the most ridiculous thing that you'll hear this week, do you worry that the Chiefs' defense is maybe peaking too early? <laughs> because, I mean, seriously, yeah. the turnaround started in what, like week six? You know, I, and they're they're playing at, I think, the highest level in the league right now. Um, and so I'm just like, can you keep up this momentum? Or is there something that's going to happen where you're – you know, whatever formula seems to be working for you, teams are going to figure it out and be able to counter it because you figured it out too early or something. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I want this defense to sustain what it's doing so that we can just like understand what this team, you know, can lean on. Because if you think about how we started the year, it, you know, how this team was built, this team was not built for it to be a Super Bowl caliber defense. I don't think. I mean, it was like, we're basically saying, can you be, you know, middle of the road, right? That was the question. And they're, now they're performing so highly, they're, they're kind of over their skis a little bit. Yeah. And so I think that that's what people are worried about is like, well, can you truly trust a defense that wasn't built to be this good? Did they just get lucky when or what you know will the will the luck run out defensively you know and and we're thinking about these kind of like regression or progression to the mean as far as the offense is concerned because they're playing so so well below what the expectation has been but like do, do, let me ask you this um we we kept saying we're back and swagger back type of stuff um, oh i missed that i missed those times <laughs> Do you, do you think that offensively, do you think that they are confident? Coaching or, or players and execution, do you think that they feel confident right now on offense? No, 
No, because I mean, it's a lot of the same pieces from the last three years, and they've they're performing at a worse level overall than you know what they have been at that time. So I I think they all kind of look at it like, man, we should be doing better than we are right now, and it's not it's not sinking the team because they're winning games, but they all kind of looking around like, and I don't think they know the answer necessarily. And I, I think you could really see it with Mahomes. I thought you kind of saw some poor body language in this game, with the, uh, mostly with the drops. I don't care about the arguing with the enemy, really. I think that's just being competitive. But with the drops, I, I thought you kind of saw him, you know, drop his head and just kind of like, here we go again. Like, my guys can't catch catch the ball. And, and he's not wrong, but you can't let it affect you. Like, and I thought, I, I feel like it did kind of affect like a few of his throws that came immediately after that, where – um, it wasn't his best throw, and I, I kind of, in my notes, I had, man, is Mahomes rattled by these drops? Like, he just seemed, he seemed annoyed. He seemed bothered. Um, and that's, I get it, but you, it's imperative that you don't let that happen. Well, I mean, I think we can at least thank our lucky stars that he's not the type to, like, throw a fit on the field the way that, you know, we, we think about, like, competitors. Oh, I was thinking who? Philip Rivers, like, the type of guy that would just, like, get so floppy and like he's just become all limbs when things weren't going his way and i'm just like mahomes he might get frustrated you might see some things on his face but like you know you mentioned body language like i could maybe see some frustration here and there but it's way better than we've seen some quarterbacks react when things aren't going well um and you know what i mean here's the thing though like did you did you watch all of Ted Lasso? No, I haven't seen any. Okay. Um, so there's an episode where the team isn't playing well, and instead of like being his very nice, cheerful, optimistic self, he knows it's time that he has to like become a jerk and coach that way. And so he like pretends he's his evil twin essentially this is like a theory that he comes up with and and I think about Mahomes a little bit and it's like every once in a while I do wonder if it's important for him to hold guys accountable in like an angry and public way and I public way because well not not like in front of a microphone but like I've, I mean, when I've seen Mahomes like on a sideline, it's more like I'm going to kind of rally the troops sort of thing. And maybe he recognizes and maybe just the way that he carries himself and their overall team philosophy is we want to build guys up <clears throat> instead of tearing them down. But if, if Mahomes is mad because he thinks that guys aren't concentrating or they're not locked in or whatever's going on, I mean – I honestly, I'd pay good money to see him screaming at Tyreek or Travis after one of those plays being like, what is, dude, pull your head out of your ass. Like, like seeing him get that kind of aggressive and angry on the sideline, like, I'm sure that it would get dissected over, over kill and become, oh, well, clearly the Chiefs have a prize. They're a rift in the locker room kind of crap would start coming out, but like, if if all they do is just just kind of it's fine we're gonna be ourselves we're gonna come out of it we're gonna come out of it like I don't I am not confident that that's what's gonna happen 
I think that we're still resting a little bit too much on what has happened in years past. And, and this is, this is not that it's, it's, it's not those chiefs anymore. Even if it's familiar. Um, I, I just, I don't trust that they are going to change, even if it does feel more likely that Andy and Patrick figure it out than like the defense clicks into place. Like you mentioned, um, I, I'm not confident that they're going to. Well, I don't, I don't know if they have to. I mean, they don't have to get back to this level. That's – and really, playoff football, it kind of, it kind of shrinks down anyways. Uh, I feel like there's fewer big plays, and it's kind of – it's more about, like, being efficient. It's more, like, about picking up third and fours, and it's more about extending drives, that kind of thing, than it is just, like, lighting up the scoreboard. Just because, you know, every team is good – so you don't, you know, regularly just put up, you know, 40 points by with 50 yard touchdowns kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think they'll get there and I don't think they have to get there, I guess would be my answer. As long as the defense keeps playing the way it is, you know, if the defense falls back down to earth, they could be in some trouble, but you know, if we're just lining up and we got this defense playing at a top 10, top five, top one level, Jesus, uh fuck if if the defense continues this for the next four or five games I, i'm gonna be ultra confident going into the playoffs just because i mean i look around the nfl or i look around especially the afc and i'm just not really scared of anyone and we got this defense playing at this level and then you're asking Mahomes to score 24 points now instead of scoring 35 points so i, I am going to be unbelievably confident um that these guys figure it out at least to a degree i don't they don't have to return to that level figure it out enough with the rest of the team playing the way it is i will be very confident going to the playoffs and that's i think like what what i'm hoping for is that they can get to a place where and maybe it's maybe it's more about us maybe they are perfectly comfortable and confident winning the way that they're winning and it's frustrating, you know, it, it's that defenses are forcing you to be patient and being patient sucks and you want to just win and instant gratification and you want to score all these points and, you know, put, put the put the teams in the NFL on notice. Hey, we are back. Like it's like they were on the edge of their seats trying to get to that place. We've been working so hard to even be able to have that fun and play loose. And and it's a stressful way to win you know and and really <clears throat> you thought this game was stressful um i think that no because denver doesn't scare me but but in terms of like if your formula is to beat teams by five instead of 35 you know like this is this is not the kind of like the, the chiefs kept being compared to the warriors right? Well, now they're the fucking Pistons, okay? Like, this is this is not a team that's out there trying to blow people out. And so that's, you know, where I think that I, I let, let me say this, uh, as far as that defense is concerned, um, I think that they have even another level that they can get to without adding anybody to the, to the fold. I think this group can play better, even better than they have been playing. 
And a lot of that is because look at how young some of these guys are and look at the guys that are finally starting to perform. I heard that, um, what's his name? Jaron Reed is like finally up over 10% pressure rate or something. And um, Alex Okafor has been rounding into form as he's played fewer snaps with Ingram out there. Um, I heard that Frank Clark, who had been playing 80 or 90% of the snaps, only had to play like 50% of the snaps in this game against Denver. Uh, somehow the Chiefs were able to, with Rashad Fenton out, sneak DeAndre Baker onto the field for 66% of the snaps defensively. I feel like I only saw him like once or twice. And that dude played two thirds of the snaps. That's, well, that's because he was locking it down. Yeah, they're they're actually switching off possessions early between Hughes and Baker, uh, and I think the consensus among fans, at least, is that Baker is the better corner. And they eventually just turned it over to Baker. Like he eventually just started taking all of the uh, nickel corner snaps. Nice. Uh, so, so that was an interesting development. But yeah, I mean, with the defense, I mean. The, the thing, the, the first thought I had after that game was, man, did the fire spag stuff from early in the season look just absolutely ridiculous. I like, didn't I pitch you that I wanted to do a parody of the wedding singers love stinks and call it spag stinks. I wanted to get that spag stinks. Yeah. Yeah. And like, now I'm like, I've, I've, Sorry, Steve. He, he is dominating, man. I I honestly think he's he's deserving of assistant coach of the year consideration based off the turnaround they've had mid-season. Like it's I don't have the numbers, I didn't do any numbers work this week, but the turnaround is astronomical. Like from going from one of the worst defenses in NFL history, you know, from through the first five weeks to now we're talking about the team as maybe the best defense in the NFL. Like, I don't remember anything like that ever happening. Like, I, I just don't, it's maybe like the Rams when, you know, when Kurt Warner kind of exploded and they went from, you know, four and 12 or whatever to, you know, the, the most explosive offense in NFL history, maybe, um, maybe that, but, you know, even that has, you know, they threw in Kurt Warner. This is, you know, I guess people came back from injuries and, you know, you point at that, but it's mostly the same defense, you know, as even as last year. It's not a whole much change from last year. But, man, the level they're playing at right now is – it's insane. I can't – I cannot believe the midseason turnaround of a unit like that. I've, I've never – I don't remember anything like – Yeah, I mean, it, oddly enough, I think that, like, we see oh, exactly hold on, hold what on. happened. Hold on, let me cut you off. I do remember one thing. The Colts Boxing had the Rangers. very worst run defense in the NFL, uh, and, and we played them in that playoff game with Larry Johnson, and all of a sudden their run defense, they added Bob Sanders, and their run defense just became dominant. Not just, not just good, it became dominant. It was like the worst in NFL history and then became dominant. And you know what? That led to a Super Bowl. And yeah, that's like the one thing. That's, Indianapolis. That's the one thing I can really remember that, you know, it's just a mid-season turnaround like that. Like from that that degree to the complete opposite spectrum degree. It's just amazing. 
Well, and and so a guy that I think is in some ways kind of like the uh, the poster child, um, a very good representative of this kind of ascending unit defensively and this turnaround. Um, not that he was necessarily like in the dumps, um, but he was on the sidelines. He wasn't healthy. And suddenly Traverius Ward gets back out there around the same time that we got to start seeing Frank Clark more consistently. And, you know, maybe we were starting to see Chris Jones slide in a little bit. Like all of this Traverius Ward is kind of in the background, like suddenly he's back out there. And I feel like this, this clamps various that you've been calling him, but like his, his ascent feels very very real to me you see stats you know pff who who understands any of that stuff other than people that work for him but he has consistently both both he and um fenton have been rated very highly by pff i mean this season charvarius has had he's played in eight games he's only allowed two touchdowns He's been tackling very consistently. He's allowing like fewer than 50% completions his way. Um, and I mean, he's, he's got his hands on the ball. He even caught one. I mean, let me <laughs> ask you this. Like, do you think, do you think it was the LASIK? Did Dr. Daniel Dury turn this dude into a formidable starting cornerback in the National Football League? Is it Dury vision that we have to think for Charvarius Ward finally figuring it out as an NFL corner. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I think Charvarius Ward has been good throughout his career. Uh, I thought maybe he was a little down last year, but I thought in 2019, I mean, I was calling him shut down Arius then. Uh, I've always loved Charvarius Ward. I never understood the bad rap he got. We've gotten into this uh, podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I, I think just, I think NFL fans just don't know how to judge cornerbacks. Um, and, you know, you probably somebody watched this game and sees Charvarius drop uh, an interception or two, which admittedly he has some truly horrible hands. Like I can't, you think you think the Chiefs receivers have drops. Charvarius war, man. I would just love to watch him in practice, like them just throwing fades. Charvarius all by himself, just running in the end zone by himself. No receiver. To go, and just him just dropping pass after pass. But outside of that, everything else that he does, uh, he's fantastic. But I don't. To me, it's not him figuring it out. I always thought Traverius Ward has been solid. So I, I am not on the train of, you know, he's, you know, had had this huge improvement um, at, at, at whatever point. I, th I think he's always been a solid corner. You know, you know what it might be? Because of guys like Marcus Cooper and Terrence Mitchell and, you know, whomever else we've gone through, you know, six or eight weeks of like, this guy's great. And then we come crashing back to earth that everyone just kind of assumed like, you know what, that's going to happen. This guy was an undrafted free agent. We, we traded uh, that offensive lineman that we drafted in the third round from Cincinnati. What was his name? Oh, I can't remember. Anger. Anger. Parker, 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 Anger. Parker Anger, we traded to Dallas as all their offensive linemen were getting injured. I don't know if Anger's played a snap. Um, and, and so it's like, you look at the way that this guy's acquired. Um, he probably wasn't going to make the team. It was one of those, like, instead of cutting these guys, we'll, we'll trade sort of situations. 
And so maybe we either thought that he came crashing down to, to earth, assumed that he came crashing down to earth, or have just been non-committal and waiting for the other shoe to drop with him. And I heard Craig a couple weeks ago say, like, Charvarius has 100% priced himself out of Kansas City. This guy's going to be getting offered double digits as a free agent this offseason, and the Chiefs aren't going to be able to pay for it. And well, I'm that's like, why if, if people would have listened to our unreleased podcast from last year, <laughs> I would have been clamoring to sign him early so we could have avoided this. But no, nobody wanted to listen to me. Nobody wanted to listen to our unreleased podcast. <laughs> to our unreleased podcast. Um, I, I think that not I, – I, I had mentioned that I think that this defense has the ability to get even better, and largely because they're so young. Um, and, and one guy that I think represents that in a big way, um, and you're starting to see people not just, you know, paying close attention to him because he's fun and exciting, but it seems like the, the tape is starting to pay off where it's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So he, he really is as fun as we're just hoping he is. It's, it's Willie Gay. Um, Gay watch is, is phenomenal right now. And I've seen a lot of people start comparing him to like that kind of early career Derek Johnson, where it's like, gosh, man, this guy is jumping into passing lanes and has, he's been like, like inches away from pick sixes three times, I think in the last like five games. Yeah. I don't throw a slant and and Willie Gay's direction is my advice for opposing offensive coordinators. Cause it seems like once a game, there's, they're going to throw a quick slant. Willie Gay's going to be right there stepping in front of it. And I, don't, I, I hope that continues. Uh, and has he dropped that many? He caught at least one, right? Uh, I think he has two or three picks, maybe. Um, he got two. He's got two. two. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I just – I think that having guys like – him and Bolton and, and Thornhill, um, in addition to, you know, Legereus Sneed, Rashad Fenton, Charvarius Ward. I mean, you look at all of these different guys, especially in the back seven, um, you know, aside from, from Matthew and Hitchens, like it's, they're all young. And the defensive line, a little bit different. Um, and there will certainly, I think, be some changes there in the offseason, but I mean, I, I, I just, I really like not only, I mean, it's, it's easy to like how they're playing right now, but I think that like some of these guys are not like playing at the top level that they're capable of. And that's not just because, oh, it's, you know, year two for Willie Gay or year one for Nick Bolton, they'll be good in five years. Like I, it, it's just the rhythm of the season. Like, when we think about how the defense has changed because they've gotten healthy and because they've made some of these personnel changes um, and suddenly Dan Sorensen is, you know, confident again. Um, and certainly, I mean, confident enough that he decided to dance for the first time in his life. He probably got a <laughs> phone call from his pastor. Like Dan, you can't come to church for a month after doing the, the Dion high step to the end zone. You brought shame to your household. All right. Well, Hand the ball to the ref. He definitely had an extra glass of milk before bed that night. Maybe, maybe even with chocolate milk. Maybe. Ooh. 
But because there was a little cho- there's a little chocolate milk in that dance. Let me tell you. A little there's, chocolate milk. There's some chocolate milk in that dance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'm just thinking that um the Chiefs aren't done yet. You know, there there is definitely reason for optimism. Um, and, and I don't think that it's necessarily related to the offense at all. Is that, what's the Sorensen milk thing? I've seen I've seen milk reference with Sorensen before. Is he is that something he's on the record about, or is this just a he's so white that he probably drinks a lots of milk kind of take? Uh, I think it's I think it's like a a white conservative like like this is a guy that like doesn't party. You know, he's a conservative. <laughs> I wasn't that was not political, but like like a he's no, just like I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. I think conservatives drink more milk. And I'll, may I say, I think there has been a war on milk the last few years, and I am firmly on team milk. I love me some milk. I don't. I don't get the bad rap that it's getting. Well, so it's all of these milk alternatives that people are pushing, but yeah, what people fail to recognize: bitches, all these sally ass bitches that can't handle a little milk in their system got to have it from oats and cashews and almonds. Fuck off! I'm gonna go take it straight from the teeth of the cow. <laughs> well, give me that milk. <laughs> there's the thing. That I feel like the argument against milk is not wrong. That it seems weird to drink the like baby nourishment from another animal. <laughs> like it does seem a little weird. I you know. All right, I'll, but, I'll drink breast milk. I'll drink the breast milk if that <laughs> if that will make everybody happy. Um, hey, quick question: Would you try breast milk if if you can try it right now as an adult? I already have. <laughs> oh boy i got i got tricked but i probably would have tried it if i wasn't tricked <laughs> curiosity um well, but... let's, let's hear your view <laughs> i mean it tastes like cereal milk is sweet and delicious it was amazing like fruity pebbles milk <laughs> no more like like honey nut cheerios milk maybe oh man that's the best <laughs> so oh my God. um but Can't wait the, the thing that all of these like anti cow milk pushers apparently fail to recognize i i saw a story that almond milk is like one of the biggest reasons that california has been in a drought for however long they have been yeah because it takes more water to produce almonds than like almost any any other like nut bearing or fruit bearing thing in the world and then it takes a whole crap ton more water to process those almonds into almond milk it's like if we didn't have this almond milk craze in the united states we would be in lot better shape you'd be able to take a shower more than one day a week without getting in trouble <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. That sounds, let's not go too far. <laughs> um, if are, are we off the rails enough? No, I mean that's. I was I was starting to wonder if there are. So if Daniel Sorensen is just a cow milk guy, I mean I did. I don't know where it came from. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's unfair. Um, but I did see. Well, it's, it's very obvious. He definitely drinks milk. Did you see? Guy. Did you see the Mayor Lucas Carrington Harrison Twitter combination that that was with the milk line? Uh, no. Yeah. So Quentin Lucas said like Dan Sorensen is going to be at the club in a few hours and he deserves it or whatever. 
And Carrington said, please, that guy's going to have a nice warm glass of milk and fall asleep to new girl. <laughs> and I thought it was a great tweet. Well done, Carrington.Harrison. Um, but I don't know if that was like the original milk joke for Sorensen or if that's just been like kind of a running thing. Um, but if, if Sorensen is like the milk drinker on the team, I'm guessing like, do we need to assign different players to different milks? Is that where we're at? Different beverages. Okay. I don't know how many different milks we got. I mean, we could go through the Chateau lineup and be like, all right, who gets to Ooh. be the banana milk? Oh, who that's me. That's to be the, root, the root beer milk. Give me that banana milk. <laughs> that's what she said. Now we might be off the rails. Um, all right. So the Chiefs over the next. Um, well, hang on. Hang on. Are we, are we getting off? Are we, are we bailing on the game? <laughs> are we are getting we... off? He said <laughs> after the give me that banana milk joke. Um, we don't have to. No, we can keep talking about the defense. I was going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, oh, I got a quick little deep dive. Well, I don't, even, I don't I call it a deep dive. Yeah. I got like a little one hitter. Yeah. A little. A baddie. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're not even strapping on the gear. You're just kind of, you know, diving down, touching the bottom of Snorkeling. the deep end. Touching the bottom of the deep end and jumping back up. But um, so the, they hit, the Broncos had the 20-play drive in the game, uh, which was which was fun. 20-play drive and zero points. So I did a little research on that. It's actually happened um, seven times, or three of the last seven times this has happened in the NFL. It's happened against the Chiefs. Uh, so the last seven 20 play drives in the NFL, three of them against the Chiefs, they've only allowed three total points on those three drives. Um, twice there's been zero points since 2009. Two 20 play drives with zero points in the end, both of them against the Chiefs. So the Chiefs have the best 20 play defense in NFL history. That's indisputable. Um, and the last drive that resulted in no points. The Panthers, this is the 2015 game against the Panthers. Uh, you probably remember Barry's pick six and Peter's stealing the ball from uh, Fat Kelvin. Um, that drive actually ended on a punt. They had a 20-play drive where they punted. Uh, I, I couldn't get over looking at that. I, I stared at it over and over just trying to figure out if it was accurate or not. Um, every single drive that's been 20 plays, this only goes back to 2001, mind you, but it's the... That drive ended at the 40-yard line where they punted. It was like fourth and 18 or 20 or something. Uh, the next uh, least far – oh, Jesus. I, I've, I've reached a point of not being able to talk. Uh, the next closest drive was reaching the 18-yard line, if you follow what I'm saying. So the Panthers only reached the 40. The uh, the next furthest, closest – man, I can't, I can't get through this. Hey, give me a break here, man. It's, it's 3 a.m. Italian time. I'm wearing down. I'm wearing down. Um, so, so, anyways, that's the uh, deep down. Oh, the other 20-play drive was against the Browns and Johnny Football in that game, if you remember it. Um, but, anyways, in conclusion, don't try to have a 20-play drive against the Chiefs. Don't do it. Uh, let's just pretend for a moment that it's Sunday morning and the Chiefs are getting ready to kick off against – the Oakland, no, the that. Las Vegas Raiders. Um, at that point, we're looking at two games in five days. 
I mean, we could say three games in 12 days if we want, uh, including the Broncos as far as coming out of the bye is concerned. But two divisional games over the course of five days. One here in Kansas City against the Raiders, who really just kind of laid down and played that Gus Bradley cover three and allowed the Chiefs to have their best offensive performance of the season just a few weeks ago. Um, And then Gus Bradley's former unit, um, just a few days later out in Los Angeles, a game that you and I will both be attending. Um, I'm curious if you think that the short week you know, against the Chargers is something that maybe the Chiefs are planning for a little bit coming out of the bye because I don't think that they needed to feel particularly threatened by the Broncos. I don't think that they need to feel particularly threatened by the Raiders who seem like they are, I want to say that they're in free fall. I know that they won that Thanksgiving game, but like, man, I just, I don't I, I, I think the Raiders are toast. And I was, I was telling people, I said, like, I'm during the game, I said, I'm telling myself that Andy is saving stuff for that short week against the Chargers. Because well, they maybe like just the saving stuff for whenever we need it. Like, it, these games, we'll get up and this, we get these points in the first 15 plays, and then our defense plays so great. It's just like, I mean, I never felt threatened whatsoever in that Denver game, and it was – you know, 10-3, 13-3 for most of it. I was just like, we're just, we're just waltzing our way to a win here. I never felt like they were posing any threat. So, and let me, you know, I'd like to hear you in some way compare that to what everyone talked about that that Bills-Patriots game. I'm not, I, we're kind of coming full circle at this point, but like, was that game in in some way more dominant or something because like I thought it was just a close game and neither team really knew what to do to to, you know take control whereas the Chiefs Broncos game it felt like they could just like you know stiff arm the team and just keep them at an arm's length the whole time I was not for a moment scared that the Chiefs weren't going to win that game because Denver just looked inept and and I think that it was very much a coin flip in that in that Pats Bills game to where, you know, maybe this whole season is Andy Reid shutdown mode. Like maybe that's just what it is. <laughs> like shutdown season. Andy, let's, let's save some plays for 2022, guys. Let's <laughs> let's not put it all on tape. Oh, I don't think we may not have it this year. So we'll just we'll we'll go until slow. we're until we're three and four. And then it's like, wait a second. We might, we might want to uh, actually make the playoffs. What do, you, what do you think of the AFC in general? We're kind of dancing around here. Is there any team you're scared of? I, I almost want to say the team I am most scared of in the AFC is the Chargers. Make the case for the Chargers. Well, they got a good quarterback. I think they got a pretty good defense, or at least they got Bosa. Um, and, and, you know, Derwin James, they got good players on that side of the ball. Um, they got a coach who's willing to take risks, which I think is a little scary. Um, and maybe just being in the division, they've, they've had some success against us. So they're, they 
although I guess most of the AFC has at this point now. Um, but I, I mean, it, mostly I'm kind of picking them by default because I'm just kind of the Patriots. I mean, they're solid, but scared of them, not in the least. The Titans, they've seemed to kind of fallen apart since Henry's gone. Uh, and maybe he comes back for the playoffs. I'm not really sure where they're at on that. So I, I could see being afraid of the Titans if, if he comes back. The Ravens seem to be kind of, you know, falling back down to earth. They haven't been, you know, on top of their game for a while. It seems well, like been, Chargers, Bengals, and that. rough the last few weeks. And, and they just lost Marlon Humphrey, too. So Yeah, they're just kind of falling apart. I mean, the Bills, I mean, I guess they're just – they ha- I feel like they haven't been that impressive all year. They do have the defense for it. I, c- I could see their argument for the Bills, uh, but they, you know they're in the seventh spot right now with the Buccaneers coming next week. So that's and then the Patriots again. They're dude. Yeah, the, so the Bills are they could be in some trouble. Tough spot. I, I, one thing I think is pretty solid is the Colts. Um, I don't necessarily want to see them because I mean they have the running game. Uh, they have a pretty solid defense. I could see them doing some damage, but you know they're in the ninth spot right now. So I. The AFC as a whole, I mean, a whole bunch of solid teams. It's fun to look at, but none of them scare me. But I'm trying to figure out who scares me the most, and I think I'd settle on the Chargers. So I don't, I don't want to. Like, char- you can't, can't say the Chargers. Well, no, I don't want to dismiss New England outright because I think that that's that's foolish, but. Steve Spagnuolo against a rookie quarterback. Um, and, and, and I get that, you know, they've got a very strong defense and McDaniels and Belichick. And, you know, it's not about Matt Jones as, you know, three forward passes would indicate in a, in a victory. But um, I, I, the thing that does worry me a little bit about that team, I saw that, despite the fact that it felt like a really, and I mean, it, it was a pretty punishing way to, to play um, handing the ball off that many times. I mean, they had two different running backs with over 20 carries, um, but it's, I, I believe they had the 60 some odd yard touchdown from Harris. And then they averaged, you know, fewer than four yards a carry beyond that. Um, and, and granted they were averaging more than like the 3.35 yards a carry that you need in order to get a first down in three plays every time. Um, and they were willing to just stick to that. And I think that that kind of like stubbornness is the thing that maybe worries me because I could see the Patriots against any team not only are they so multiple that Bill is willing to play a completely different style of offense or defense every single week. That's the thing that I think should, should scare people is that they're, they don't like their identity is we will do whatever it takes to win essentially. Um, But it's also that I think that the lack of patience that it seems like this offense has had at times, I don't know if they're necessarily still struggling with that specifically um but the patriots don't have that problem they don't they're willing to 3.5 yards per carry you all the way up and down the field and and like they can probably do it and that's where the colts are really dangerous too because it's like well 
I would love to play against Carson Wentz in the playoffs because I feel like you rattle him and the game is over. The question is, can you get to him because of that offensive line? Um, and so, you know, it, it becomes this, that it really just a, a trenches battle, I think, against both the Colts and the Patriots. Um, and so those are the teams I think that are probably the most scary to the Chiefs in terms of like, you know, if styles make fights, right? Um, I think the team that probably has the ability to like do the most damage if they're really clicking probably is the Chargers. Um, but man, I mean, Herbert, and I don't know if it's the change in the offense uh, with the new coordinator or what, but like Justin Herbert, you we've had all these conversations about how Mahomes is broken and not that we have had that conversation, but like quarterbacks are kind of getting shat on for not playing well, unless your name is Tom Brady. Um, and even he has had some really rough stretches this year, but like, dude, Herbert has been bad at times. Like no, no other word for it. Bad. He yeah, has made that. some horrible decisions and some really, really just poor looking throws. And I'm just like, what, what is this guy doing? But I mean, he's a second year player. So yeah, I, I saw something that was kind of, you know, like the NFL leaders and in interceptions are all from good teams in the AFC. It was like, it was Mahomes and Tannehill and Lamar and Herbert and Burrow, I think. And maybe Josh Allen up there too, but it was like every good AFC team has their, has this good quarterback that's like highly renowned. And yet they're all kind of at, near the lead for NFL interceptions, uh, which was kind of weird. So it's just weird season, weird conference. I don't know what to think of it. I do kind of like your answer. What's the one thing that scares you the most in the AFC and Bill Belichick might be the answer there. like the one if you're pointing at not not a team but the one thing yeah. i could see bill belichick being a good answer and him just kind of you know taking it to andy maybe a little bit and just getting his team uh ready for a playoff game like that where they're kind of you know overmatched although it seems like they're overmatched in a lot of these games but they uh come through with in the way that they do did you see that uh the Chiefs have had a five-game winning streak in every season that Andy Reid has been their coach, nine straight years. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty remarkable. The, I believe they said that um, the, the next longest run of consecutive years with a, at least a five-game winning streak was only at seven um, in NFL history. So once again – Oh, really? Uh, longest of all time? Yeah. And so once again, we're, we're seeing that, you know, Andy Reid is – uh, pretty remarkable coach, and and the Chiefs are certainly blessed to have him. Um, I something to keep an eye on as we wrap things up here. Um, are, we, are we still recording? I guess. <laughs> uh, did you see that Keenan Allen is on the COVID list? I did. Uh, I don't know how all those protocols work, but there is a chance that Keenan Allen would be out for Thursday's game with it being a short week. If he's got to miss 10 days. No, no, that's that's if you're unvaccinated. He's vaccinated, so he can he can be back this week. As soon as he, like, has two tests or whatever, okay. two, two oh, negative oh, tests or something. Okay. Oh. I was just imagining that there was a scenario in which Keenan Allen didn't play in that game, which would be a bummer because I want it to be great but also not a bummer because I want to win and I don't really care how that happens. I, I would like to see this defense 
you know, before the season ends against like a top offense, because I do feel like they've kind of played some weaker opponents or at least what, uh, what's know, a top right offense now. right now. Well, that's why I'm kind of looking at the chargers. <laughs> I think would count the Steelers. No. Okay. Um, I guess people might say the Bengals. The Bengals, uh, yeah, I guess. I think the Chargers is is the best answer. The Raiders, maybe, but I don't. Nah, probably not. So I think the Chargers is probably your best bet for playing a a quote unquote top offense. I mean, so the best offense in the NFL this year, um, or I would say at the very least, definitely right now, right this very second. I think it's the Patriots, or not the Patriots. Sorry, the 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 former. Uh, uh, Patriot Tom Brady's offense. It's the Buccaneers. Uh, it's the best offense right now. Um, I would say I maybe mean, Cowboys, but you know we played them with obviously shorthanded. I mean, it's it's possible. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure that I trust the Cowboys on a week to week basis. The way that I feel like the Bucks are are able to do that. That's um, But I mean, I. I don't know. I feel like if you were to try to point to the best offenses in the league, it's probably Arizona and Green Bay and Tampa Bay. And then I, I mean, like, are, are any of them in the AFC? I mean, last year it was Chiefs and Bills in the AFC really being great offenses. And you would imagine that the Ravens are in there. But I mean, dude, the Ravens have been playing worse on offense than the Chiefs have over the last four or five games. Lamar went from like, that one unbelievable performance early in the year where people were just like, can you believe that anyone questions Lamar Jackson? And like, dude, they have been real bad. Man, I didn't get, I saw, I saw the tweets about the uh, Ravens-Browns game. I didn't get to watch any of it, but it sounded, I'm going to go back and watch that game actually just because it sounded terrific to watch. I pulled up points per game leaders. Who do you think's the top scoring offense in the AFC? Points per game, top scoring offense. Uh, I wonder if it's Tennessee still. It is the Colts. Oh, interesting. Okay, beating up on a bunch of bad teams potentially. I guess that's that shocks me. They're not even a playoff team right now, and they're the highest scoring team in the AFC in points per game with a solid defense. It's just huh, just fucking weird. It goes Colts and then Bills, Bengals, Patriots, Chargers. Man, where are the Chiefs? Thirteenth in scoring. 13th in the AFC? No. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? We're we're below the we're... Philadelphia Eagles in scoring. <laughs> okay. What were the I odds mean, on that before the year? How many times have we scored over 30? Twice? No. Maybe, maybe three times? I want to say it's Raiders Eagles football team. Maybe. Nah. Two, three, four, five. Five 30 plus. Yeah, first two weeks, and then Eagles, Redskins, Raiders. Okay. So first the Redskins, well, and then but only, but only in wins is the, the ones that I remember. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Well, but yeah, the, the Bucks had the best offense early scoring. Bucks, Cowboys, Cardinals, who yeah. we didn't even mention. I feel like nobody even mentions the Cardinals. I in mentioned every the conversation. Cardinals. Every single conversation. No, well, I wasn't listening to you. Every single conversation that happens about the NFL, nobody mentions the Cardinals. It's like, oh man, is it the Bucks or the Cowboys or the or the Packers in the NFC? And then they mention the AFC, and it's just like Cardinals don't even exist, even though they have the best record, despite playing Colt McCoy randomly for three or four games in there. Just a 
a weird a weird team they definitely seem like it, it it feels like they have maybe the highest ceiling of anybody right now um because if that offense is is really clicking and i think that they've been able to show it more consistently than the chiefs have this year and the level that their defense is playing at um like the the cardinals seem very dangerous uh what, what, what's still so strange to me though is that I can't believe that James Connor's good. I can't believe it. I am in 100% denial about James Connor. I just, I was like, dude, that guy was so done in Pittsburgh. And now he's got 15 rushing touchdowns or something. Man, can't stand him. I have no idea. The Washington football team is in the playoffs right now. Sorry. I'm, I'm just catching up on some NFL things. I haven't been paying too much attention the last two weeks, but this is fucking weird though. The Washington football team is in the playoffs. What happened? What did I miss? Uh, you know, Heineke, Heine. <laughs> He's uh, I mean, I would say right now the the two talking points on the Washington football team are that Ron Rivera is doing a great job coaching, and there's the Chase Young Ewing theory happening. After Chase Young went down, the Washington has suddenly like gotten a lot better. Chase Young, not good. But they've been playing without Chase Young and Montez Sweat for weeks, and, like, they're doing okay. It's weird. Weird year in the NFL, and it seems like that's what everyone is kind of, like, resorting to at this point. Well, it's just weird. We don't know. We'll see. Well, um, there should be conversations about this constantly. Like, who, who do you like in the NFL? Who do you like in the NFL? But we just talk about Mac Jones over and over. Do, do they trust Mac Jones? Great, great conversation. Okay, so that was that was clearly uh that was a, a jab at Nick because I know that I know that Nick has been pushing the if Belichick actually trusted his quarterback narrative, which hey, I love it. All right. He's a he is a take artist. He's gotta figure out what's the way, you know. I mean, I don't I don't consume it that much, love it. Well, you don't I have love, to. I, I can, I can tell you what he says. I don't. We don't have to watch it. I can tell you exactly what the whole show is saying. Oh my gosh! Please give us your Nick Wright impersonation. What the whole show is? Give it to us right now. <laughs> the whole show. We need the next three hours of everyone's lives. You know, I I feel like I feel like Nick Wright right now because I'm I'm on. He's on at like four thirty in the morning or whatever time it is. That's that's kind of what I feel like. I don't. My eyes are like barely open. I'm not even sure if we're still recording. I don't know why we're still recording. Did you see? Why are we still recording, right? Did you see the the picture of him after he had lost another bunch of bets I or did. whatever? And I, I said did. that he looked like you. And he did. <laughs> I can't believe he didn't respond because he really looked like you in that photo. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't get these weekly updates of, of how I look with the this wild hair. We almost had like the identical hair. I was I was kind of amazed. I mean, I have seen hundreds of pictures of you morphing your hair into ridiculous positions i have seen your hair in more ridiculous positions than i can possibly count and so to see him this now very well put together and i mean he's got all the hair and all this thing and i'm like i was just i i just feel like i needed to see you two side by side that needs to be like a halloween costume can you dress up as each other but both with crazy hair next Halloween. We can, yeah. We can do it tomorrow. Well, yeah. <laughs> Belated Halloween. 
All right, folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. We talked about a little bit of everything this week. Next week, uh, probably two shows next week. Maybe one post Don't get him excited. Don't get him excited. Come on. Well, I'm going to Los Angeles for the Chargers game to, yeah. to hang with my guy. Uh, so, you know, you'll get a you'll get a same room amateur hour. Uh, but we'll be out we there. Can, we can try breast milk together. <laughs> I don't. They have it out here, I think, in, in bars. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to get like Waltered. Like, you want breast milk? I can get you some breast milk. There are ways <laughs> you don't want to know about. Them. <laughs> uh, and that, folks, has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He says, Darkness, we'll talk to you next week. Hello, everybody. Who the best? No joy.